Well, hey, what's going on, beautiful family? Uh, it's been a year, hasn't it? It has been a year. Uh, hey, in a lot of ways, this little house over here on the east side has kind of turned into a makeshift temple in a way, uh, as God is really making us into a temple as the body of God and even as individuals throughout this year uh, at large. And so I'm excited about where God is leading us. And honestly, the timing of even the announcement that Steph just gave is uh, really timely with the sermon even. It's providential in a lot of ways is what it feels like. And so for those of you who have fallen in love with the guided gatherings, as Steph said, we're still going to be streaming the full gathering. All right. And so uh, it'll just be a little bit later in the day. And so uh, until we can find our own church home. And so if you want to watch it like at nine, then pray we find our own space. So you can watch it at night. All right. And so keep praying for us. But hey, we're really excited as a family of God to have a temporary home. Okay. A temporary, a tent without doubt, but God has done some of his most glorious work throughout the people of human history while they were dwelling in tents. Yeah. And so we expect our God to move even in this season. And so uh, as we all but wrap up Nehemiah, next week will be our final week in uh, that book. We actually see this strong theme of regathering once again, which is very timely for us. And so all of this vision, all of this effort, all of this prayer that was given was to regather the people of God, to worship and to rebuild really as a nation. And even all of the evil that Nehemiah overcame was to try to prevent the the people of God from being able to worship the person of God. And Nehemiah overcame that, that the people of God might gather together. And so gathering, it carries this strong theme for us once again. And with it, we'll actually get an additional thing to consider today as a family. Now, for those of you who have grown up in uh, kind of the Christian world, I see this most often there. You may have seen something uh, that we really call a renewal of vows, right? Now, it happens outside of the church too, but I see it often in the church where uh, couples who have been married for 20 or 25 or 30 years, it's usually in that time frame for whatever reason, uh, they actually kind of go through a wedding ceremony again. And it lacks the pomp and circumstance that the first wedding had, but they usually get dressed up and they invite people over and they actually renew their vows together and they repeat the promises that they had given in the past. And it's really beautiful in a lot of ways. And it shows this dedication, this sustainability up until that point and a renewal of the promise, a, a spurring forward for the next 25 years and what God would have for them. This is what we see happening here in the text in a lot of ways. They're renewing a vow that they actually even made just in the sermon last week, but also that God really made with them generations before. And they're renewing that vow. However, renewal is not just about remembering the commandments or the promises that have been made. It's also a commissioning forward. Remembering isn't just reflection. It is also commission. It's a charge. It, it charges us ahead into what God would call us to. So renewing actually gives vision for the future in a lot of ways. The renewal of the vow isn't to remember the past 25 years of marriage. It's to remember those words that they would charge you forward for the next 25 years of marriage. And so renewing Renewal actually leads us forward. It is often when we renew our covenants that we're actually reminded of the beautiful things that God has spoken to us in the past. And in that, we actually get even greater vision for the future. And so we see a mixture of that here today, which is why uh, the sermon title is uh, Renewal and Dedication. That's what we're thinking about today. How do we renew our commitment to the commands and promises and vision that God has spoken over us, even in this series? And how do we devote ourselves to the continual 
whole effort to honor him in that vision with our words and with our life. Essentially, did God speak to you early on in the series? And if so, let's remember that and renew our promise to grow in him even today as we reflect on what he said to us. And if he hasn't spoken to you, that's okay. Let's reset our face to hear the voice of God once again because he does want to speak as he wants to move in our lives. And so with that, we're gonna pick it up. Nehemiah chapter 11 is where we will be. And my good friend Esther is going to read beginning there in verse one. Take it away. Hi, Well family. My name is Esther Tan and I'm a Covenant community member here at The Well and I will soon be co-shepherding the East Breaker CG. I'm going to be reading Nehemiah 11, 1 to 3. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. But in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, so you're seeing in verse 1 there, they're actually casting lots to figure out who's going to go live in Jerusalem. Now, the reason that they're doing this is that whoever went to go uh, live in that city were actually leaving the comforts of their home, of their lives. They're even leaving their safety in a lot of ways to go to a former war-torn, crippled city to begin to repopulate it, to carry out the mission of God and the vision that God gave to Nehemiah. And so this was difficult. It was sacrificial in a lot of ways, but it was also noble and holy and honorable, as we even see there in verse 2. So a very simple, but actually a really true application that I would argue we could take from this text is that virtually every vision from God requires some level of sacrifice in order to see it to completion. Almost every vision requires some sort of sacrifice that we would see God move in the midst of it if we're going to see it to completion. And what often happens is we particularly as Americans, we see the end of vision, we see the fruit of vision, and we want that without going through the sacrifice that it takes to get that fruit. Y'all missing that, all right? Y'all sleeping on me a little bit here, right? (laughs) Like, that's what we often do. We try to expedite the process, and we miss the reality that in the sacrifice, God is likely making us into his image that we're actually able to carry out the vision in the first place. And all vision has some element of sacrifice in it. From small visions, like maybe God called you to read the word more. Well, the sacrifice might be you got to get up a little bit earlier. You got to go to bed a little bit earlier so that you're actually able to have that time with God. That's a small sacrifice to the biggest sacrifice of them all, redemption of humanity came at the sacrifice of the Son of God. And so all vision, it actually takes some element of sacrifice. Vision, completion, it costs. And so we see that even here. That's what makes verse one actually even that much more significant. Notice it was the leaders who chose to live in Jerusalem first. Mm -hmm. The leaders were the ones that were willing to make the sacrifice, that were willing to step out in the midst of this. And so I want you to think about this is if you're following someone who enjoys having their name spoken about, but never makes any sacrifices to serve God and to serve God's people, you're not following a leader, you're following a narcissist. And that's important for us to realize. God's leaders, they serve God's people because they love God's glory. 
And we see this to be true even here. The leaders, they're, they're paving the way. They're making these sacrificial commitments to the vision of God. The vision, mind you, that didn't even come from them. It actually came from our homeboy, Nehemiah. They just realized that that was truly a vision from God, and they partnered with Nehemiah to carry out that vision that God's glory might be displayed because of their love for God's people. And so vision, it takes sacrifice. And so be careful with your Instagram heroes, y'all, right? Not all of them, okay? But a lot of them, they're not leaders because they're not willing to serve others. They're really just serving themselves. Whew, that's a word for someone in here. Wow. All right. So listen, these leaders though, right? Like they give up their comfort, okay? And they dedicated their lives to God and to his people. They willingly offered themselves, it says there. And now they're in scripture, y'all, right? God honors sacrifice for his name. We have to remember that as the people of God. We may not always see it on this side of eternity, but your name is written in the book of life and God will bring every good deed to public and reward you for that. We often think about the bad deeds that we've done and the shame and the, oh, what is, no, no, no. Even the good deeds, it says we will be rewarded for that even in the kingdom of God. So even if nobody acknowledges the sacrifice you are making today, the king of all kings sees it and he will reward you for it. And we have to be eternally focused to remember that. We have to remember that in tough seasons and be faithful with what God is calling us towards. Now, one of the ways that I believe we have longevity and actually making sacrifices as the people of God is actually through the community's encouragement. Notice again in verse two there, if you look, you see the people uh, that were sacrificing for others, the community honored them because of it. It says they blessed them there. And so people were willing to do what was unglamorous, even costly to an extent. And the community realized that blessing and they blessed them in the process. They honored their sacrifice in that way. And people really need to do this today too, to help us sustain the vision that God has given each of us. Like when we regather and that nursery uh, worker, the teammate there for the children's ministry, as they take your child in and bless your child and in that also bless you, you need to bless them. That's a real easy application here because they are a part of fulfilling the vision of God. And as we encourage them in that, we remind them of that truth. When the CG host who hosts your tail once again, week after week and cleans for you or the administrator or the builder or whatever it is, as they are sacrificing for you and as they are sacrificing for others, we as the people of God should bless them and we should honor what they're doing. You're actually reminding them that they are doing a work as unto the Lord and that the Lord sees them and this will motivate them to continue in that sacrificial work. And so it's important that we recognize sacrifice that people are making as well and uh, honor them for that. Listen, y'all, gratitude, it doesn't just sustain us in the mission and vision. It also sustains the people that we are showing gratitude towards and it propels them on to continue in the vision that God has given them. Once again, whether big or small, whether it feels insignificant or massive, we should be encouraging people as the people of God. And so easy application, part two, thank the people that are making sacrifices for the kingdom. Whether big or small, if they are blessing you, bless them. Encourage them in that. Remind them of that truth. And if you want to be a leader, leaders serve. Mm -hmm. 
period, right? Yeah. That's what biblical leadership is. It isn't, hey, follow me because I'm dope and I got these dope ideas. No, no, no. It is let me lay down my life that I may elevate you to the beauty of our king together. Leaders serve God's people. And even if the world doesn't recognize you for your service, once again, God will. You are a leader in the kingdom of God and you will be leading people one day. The scripture is real clear on that. Yeah. And so let us lay down our lives, all right? Shoot, I don't know if y'all convicted by that, but maybe I'm just talking to myself this morning, all right? But I'm convicted in this mug, okay? So now the people, they are continuing in the vision that God gave them, and they're expounding on this once again in a sense. They're uh, repopulating the city now. Remember, we said this earlier in the sermon series, but God's vision, it always expands, right? So what started with a wall actually gave vision for a temple, which then gave vision for the regathering of God's people to worship, which then bred vision for a city and the repopulation and regathering of God's people, ultimately to rebuild a nation. So vision grows, which is why we keep seeking it as the people of God. When he's calling you to do one thing, you should actually expect to hear his voice to call you to do something else as well, because he's going to continue to use you until you are at home with him. Vision grows. And so we see that even here as vision is growing in this sense. Now, the rest of chapter 11 is just a list of a bunch of names, okay? There's a lot of names in this because every individual that plays their part in the kingdom, they matter, y'all. Your work, your sacrifice, they matter to God. God sees it and he honors it. And by the way, good leaders see it too, like Nehemiah does here. But the basic breakdown in chapter 11, you see there on the screen, is verses four through six. It's talking about the Judeans, Judah, who came back to repopulate the city. Seven through nine is the Benjamites. Uh, 10 through 14 are the priests. 15 through 24 are the Levites and the temple staff. And then 25 through 36 are all the different villages that came out. And so they're renewing this commitment to vision by repopulating the city. Because remember, renewal isn't just about remembering. It's also a commitment forward into something greater. So they've gotten this vision. Now they're actually executing it. And God is starting to expand the vision even as they are executing the vision that God has given them. So after naming everyone and then reemphasizing the priests and the Levites and the first part of chapter 12, which is really important. We're not going to go into it, but they re-emphasize the people that were helping to facilitate worship because it wasn't just about repopulating the city. The main thing was the worship of God. The gathering of God's people to worship God's name is how we grow into Christ's likeness. It's important, y'all. So it, re, it literally relists the names once again in the first part of chapter 12, and then it goes into what's actually happening in the midst of all of this renewal and all of this dedication. So I want to pick up in chapter 12, verse 27, and I have my great longtime friend Takasha read that for us. Good morning, y'all, or good afternoon, or good evening. I don't know your life, <laughs> but I'm Takasha. I'm a covenant member here at The Well and a proud member of the Arboretum CG, and I'm going to read for us this morning uh, in Nehemiah 12, starting in verse 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netephathites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmatheth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. 
And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. And then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. This is the word of the Lord. I thank you, friend. So after some renewal and some recommitment and exercise towards completion of the vision, they dedicate all of this work to the Lord. That's what we see here. And so when you accomplish mission and vision that God has given you, whether it's big or small, you should actually dedicate that work to the Lord and acknowledge that it came from him and celebrate, y'all. That's what we see going on here. Listen, God ain't boring. Yeah. You dig? Like, right? Like, like God ain't lame, okay? And so he wants to celebrate. He wants yeah. the joy of his people, y'all. And so as they make sacrifices, this is laying down their life to accomplish the work of God. They celebrate. They actually crunk in this mug, y'all, okay? Like, I, w- I wish I had a few witnesses to God's joy in here this morning, all right? Listen, listen. Notice every time uh, someone gets together here in the text, there's actually this celebration, this gratitude as they're gathering together. And that's what Celebration Sunday is for us in a lot of ways. That's what they're having here. And so we often read like dedication, like it's this like somber moment, like, oh, I dedicate you, right? But they hype, okay? Notice that people are coming from all over there. You see that even on the screen. It says, in this place and in that place. There was a place name I didn't even know was in the scripture, y'all. I've read the Bible a lot of times. I'm like, I've never seen that name before. And so they coming from the city and from the burbs and, and from the hood and from the sticks, right? Like, in the middle of nowhere. So this isn't some lame, like, felt board party, right? Like, they have gladness, and there's thanksgiving, and, and singers, and, and singing, and, and lyres, and harps. They brought the harps out in this mug, like, y'all, right? Like, I don't know, how you, well, I don't know what a harp is, but like, what is that? Oh, yeah, a harp, that's right, right? And so they're a little live in that, all right? I'll let Anthony do the worship stuff, okay? Uh, it's funny, I actually grew up in black church, okay? And a lot of times you actually see this sort of celebration celebratory moment happening in a lot of black churches throughout America. And one of the things that I really appreciated about that was there was this joy, this anticipation, this desire to celebrate every time the people of God gathered in that context. Now, sometimes as a kid, I was like, y'all celebrating too long. It's two o'clock in the afternoon in this mug, right? But really the idea of that was, look, life as an individual in America that maybe is living paycheck to paycheck or facing some sort of opposition, whether systemically or or just in the context of our society, we made it through the week. And we are now back together as the people of God and God has sustained us and we are going to rejoice at that fact. And so there was a rejoicing that God carried us through another week and a hopefulness and a longing that he will carry us until the end when we are free to worship God forever. And I love that context in a lot of ways. So when we gather, we should be hyping this mug, right? Like we made it through a freaking awful year, y'all. Do you realize that? Like at Celebration Sunday in a couple of weeks, we should be worshiping God because he carried us through. And whether in big ways or in small ways, we made it through. You made it through, family of God. God has sustained you. And this is a a reason to celebrate the goodness of our God. That's why the sermon last week was actually really important because they remembered what God had been doing. And this moved them not just to confession and repentance, but to celebration as well. Because 
is, it's actually really hard to celebrate if you don't remember the good things that God is doing in your life. And so if we do not remember his words, if we don't remember his covenant, if we don't renew our vows of what God has said, it's hard for us to celebrate in that moment. But if we realize that he's been working with us and he's been growing us and he's been growing our family and us as individuals, it is reason to celebrate the goodness of God. And so can you do this as an individual even? Do you realize where God is moving in your life to make you into his image? Can you remember and can you celebrate? That's what the people of God are called to do. It helps us remember the goodness of God in our life. I mean, can I I sit in this for a moment, right? Like, look at the joy that's here in this text. Look, I know that these bad boys were charismatic too, okay? Because look at verse 30 once again, right? They anoint everything in this mug, right? They anoint the people, the gates, the walls, the doors, the dogs. Earth ain't getting that anointing, right? Everything getting blessed in here, right? So once again, I grew up in charismatic circles, so I know how this be. I had somebody anoint my Bible one time, y'all. And I'm like... Ain't my Bible already anointed? Ain't this the word of God, right? Uh, But this isn't just symbolic. That's not all that's happening here. What they're saying is everything that we are anointing, we believe it is set apart for God and for God's work. The people, yes, but even these walls are set apart to do the work of God. And so everything we have, we actually dedicate that back to our God. He has brought us this far, so he wants to keep doing good work in us, and we want everything that we touch to be used for his glory. That's what they're saying here in a lot of ways. So what's the vision that you have? Hear from him, move forward in that vision, remember what he's called you to, grow that vision, and celebrate it as it is being accomplished, that you may renew your heart to pursue Christ with that much more fervor. Y'all with me? Yeah. I feel like having church in this mug, okay? Like, listen, this is our last guy to gathering, all right? So can I do just a little bit more here, okay? Listen, don't miss what the text is showing us here, right? God has brought you this far. I don't want you to miss that, y'all. God has brought you this far. God has brought our church this far in a lot of ways. Doesn't he want to do more than? If God has sustained you up to this point in your life, do you think that that is purposeless or or does he have a purpose in your life? In, In the lives of others who are not currently watching this, who do not yet know Jesus, does he not want to draw them into redemption? The people that are overseas that have never even heard the name of God, is he not commissioning you to them at times? Has he not been healing you even in this season to better use you? Are y'all with me in this, right? Like maybe you're in a trial right now, okay? And so it's hard to rejoice. Rejoice at that trial. Is God not purifying you? Like it says in verse 30, that you may be made more into the image of Christ that he might use you for his glory. This is good news. God is doing a work in us. God is on the move. He always has been and he always will be because his hand is not short to save. He wants to move in and through us. Shoot, shoot. I don't even know where I'm at on my notes. So let me get back to my notes, okay? Uh, Let's actually read this last section, okay? Because it ties in really, really well and it actually kind of marries these two ideas together. And so uh, let's read verses 43 through 47 and we'll see how this whole chapter 11 and 12 kind of culminate at this moment. And I'm gonna have my great friend, well OG, Tommy Ward, read that for us. Hi, y'all. My name is Tommy Ward. Um, I'm a Covenant member, and I'm a co-leader of the Arboretum Community Group. Today, I'll be reading from Nehemiah 12, 43-47. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. 
The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. And they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, brother. Uh, Tommy was actually the first person that came to faith at the well. Okay? There's much more of that to happen in the future. God is still on the move. Okay? Now, look at their joy there. Okay? Look back at verse 43 there once again. And you see that in one verse, five times it mentions the word joy or rejoicing. They were lit, y'all, right? <laughs> like, like, even here, they're offering great sacrifices, and this led to joy. Yeah. Sacrifice often leads to joy. Yeah. Y'all ain't tracking with that, right? Yeah. We need more amens on that one. <laughs> Our sacrifice can lead to joy, y'all. Yeah. At times, we actually don't celebrate because we're actually not sacrificing for mission. Mm. And that's why we miss out on celebrating, because our hands are not put to the task to be able to celebrate. Other times, we actually are sacrificing, but we don't realize the sacrifice we're making, so we're not able to celebrate. We don't remember, so that's why the community should bless the sacrifice to remind us that we're doing a work for the King of Kings, and we need to celebrate in the midst of this. But they were brought in here, they saw it, and the people were rejoicing at the sacrifices that were made. And so I want you to see that you are a part of and can be a part of something way greater than any individual can do by themselves. This is the kingdom of God at large. Every disciple you make, every time you share your faith, every dollar that you give, every time that you serve God's people, every time you host or even just bless the stranger as you give the cold cup of water, as you fight for justice, as you honor the marginalized, as you share your faith, as you go on and on and and disciple and build up your children, this is a part of the big K kingdom of God as the church is moving and we can push back darkness for the glory of God until the King of Kings is reigning on earth as he is in heaven. We are a part of this process, y'all, the growth of God's church and of God's kingdom. There's so many little nuggets in verse 43 as well. Can can we have fun with this verse for a moment? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Notice that their joy was heard from far away, it says there. Okay. Uh, Question, can you hear joy? Okay. Rejoicing, yes. That makes sense, right? But joy is actually a posture of the heart. It would be like saying they heard love from far away, right? So what's happening here? Well, I believe that they're so embodying the actions of joy that it's actually so tied to their heart posture that it's expressing through who they are, and you are able to really hear it in that sense. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah y'all talking yeah. about that? Yeah. This text actually does this again. Look at verse uh, 31, 38, and 40 there. Uh, it's interesting. The, the Hebrew word for thanksgiving is a really strange word that's being going on here that Nehemiah uses. Now, in English, it just translates to uh, gave thanks is what it says. But that's actually not what the form of it is in the Hebrew. It's literally just the word thanksgiving. And so Nehemiah said, I appointed two great choirs, thanksgiving, and they marched. Like their name was Thanksgiving almost, okay? And so it was the name as if, uh, 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 of these great choirs as if they were embodying gratitude in their very personhood in a lot of ways. So what it literally reads is one Thanksgiving went to the right and the other Thanksgiving went to the left and they met in the middle. They're embodying joy and gratitude. So you can hear it from far away in that sense, right? Yeah. Let me make this really practical for us in case we're not able to know how to apply that. If someone would embody you in a word, what would that word be? Hmm. Think about that for a moment, right? <laughs> would they say Sarah is the embodiment of peace and of joy, right? Or would they say that John is the embodiment of, of love or a bickering or pride, right? Like, what word would embody you? In a lot of ways, joy and thanksgiving, those are good words to be known by, right? And so maybe ask others around you, what word would you embody if you ain't scared? Because <laughs> that's a dangerous question in this mug, right? Uh, dangerous question. And so, look, their joy it was heard from far away is what it says. And so, do people outside of our community and of your community know you and know us because of our joy? Do they know us because of our love? Can they, can they hear our love from far away in a lot of senses? When, when people speak of us, is it that of unity as a church body? Is it that of fighting for one another? Is it that of zeal from the Lord, of a passion for mission, of, of a submission to his word, of an exaltation of his name? I would love that this would always be the case yeah. for the well, and I want us to fight to that end, amen? Yeah. That's what I want us to be. Now, now I want us to set something for us as we kind of try to apply this text into our lives and into the life of the well. What are they rejoicing over? Okay, so you can hear their joy from far away, their embodying joy, but, but what are they rejoicing over? Because nothing has really happened yet in a lot of ways, right? They just finished the wall, which is dope, and that is a vision completion for sure. They're celebrating that. But the worship of Israel, the, the repopulating of the city, their freedom, none of this has actually happened yet. And yet they're still rejoicing. A lot of them are actually probably suffering in a lot of serious ways, and they're rejoicing nonetheless. There's a rejoicing in what is to come in a lot of ways. They're celebrating what is about to happen. They're anticipating what God is going to do in that sense. So we should be anticipating when God is on the move and when we notice that God is with us, and we should celebrate that, y'all. Yeah, yeah. God is with us, church yeah, family. Amen. Do you realize that? Like people are coming to faith. People are being sent out onto mission. People are growing. Community is happening. And so we do not just celebrate what God has done, nor do we just celebrate the sustaining power of God that he has carried us through, but we also are anticipatory with our celebration and we celebrate what he is going to do as well. Yeah. Not just the past and what has happened, but the future 
and what he can do. You see, they didn't dedicate the wall and now they just done, right? Like we done did it and now they just chilling in here. Vision complete, right? No, that's not what they're doing. They're anticipating that much more and the same is true for us, y'all. Like, think about it. If we ever got a space, that is not the goal, yeah. right. Right? right? Multiplication is within that space. And so when we regather in a tent in a couple of weeks, someone else's space here soon, that's not the goal. We should be rejoicing at God's sustaining power right. without question or doubt, but we also need to realize his commissioning power to keep us going in the future yeah. as well. And so they're remembering all that they've accomplished. They built this wall. They're finding this joy. They're realizing what they can accomplish if God keeps moving through them because God's not done with them yet. And this is giving them joy for the future. Also, y'all, I want you to put yourself here in the story. Don't read this devoid of the scriptures. Place yourself here because every inch of this really meant something to someone because they were walking around their work. They the ones that built this joint, right? They're the ones that did this work and they were giving thanks to God for accomplishing a beautiful task through them. They realized it was their hands. And so it's wise to celebrate the victories that God gives you, family. If God is using you to do something for his glory, walk around it and celebrate it. Like, and think about practically how you can do that. When someone comes to faith, when our church grows, when a missionary is sent out, when someone connects in your community group, whether it's a big vision or a small vision, whether it's a corporate vision or an individual vision, you need to rejoice at what God is doing because it sustains you and it gives more vision for the future. Earlier in the series, remember as well, they actually made fun of the wall if a fox ran up on this joint. Now there's two great choirs on this mug and I'm, they, they're charismatic, y'all, so they stomp on that mug, right? They're singing in this, right? Man, I I love that idea. The enemies mocked them for a fox, and now uh, multitudes of people are on this. That like, man, like watch that little boy, right? That's That's how I feel when I hear that, right? And look, this is a story of the well in a lot of ways, is it not? Like a fox could have knocked us over early, and now God is using us. That's probably the story of your life too. When you first came to faith, a fox would have knocked you over, but God is building something beautiful in you that you might lead many others to him as well. God is on the move. He wants to move and use his people. Notice also, all of this that they're celebrating, it was all from rubble, y'all. The enemy said in chapters four and in chapter six that they were trying to build with these stones that had been shattered and burnt and broken down in a lot of ways. Broken stones. We are also broken stones as God's people. Let's not get it twisted. But it isn't about the little broken stones that God is using. It's about what God can do with brokenness for his glory. And he wants to move for the glory of his name. And we got to realize that there's so much we could be thankful for corporately. And we'll get to celebrate that in a couple of weeks at Celebration Sunday. Covenant members, we'll get to celebrate together even next week, y'all. I hope this is true of you individually as well, though. That you're realizing how God has taken the brokenness and the messiness and he's piecing it together, this mosaic mosaic of brokenness that turns into a beautiful story of redemption for his glory. He's doing a work, y'all. Do you remember that? Are you celebrating that? Don't listen to me right now. Celebrate God's goodness, right? Rejoice in who he is. As you hear from God and get vision in your life, a 
apply that vision and then renew it, rejoice in it, dedicate it that you might grow in that vision and keep fighting for glory, y'all, his glory, family of God. And ultimately, saints, I don't want us to see what is uh, the clearest picture of this, even in this text, and that's really the person that we're trying to glorify anyway is the person of Jesus. I don't want us to miss how this text is actually really a foreshadow to him. Think about the text with me for a moment. The leaders of Israel, they left their comfort to risk building this new society, this new city together. They willingly offered themselves, the text says, and now they're honored in scripture and by God. Jesus too, the the greater leader of Israel, he willingly left his comforts that he might come and build a new city, a greater city, and now he is honored by God as well. Jesus left the place that was advantageous for him to a place full of broken rubble that he might redeem an Israel-like people, the church. And now because of his sacrifice, we one day will be standing on an even greater wall, singing an even greater song, rejoicing our great God together. Think about verse 30 even, that idea of purification, right? You don't purify something that's already pure, which means they were purifying something that was dirty, unclean. It was not set apart for God's use. And now they're saying, now it is. We're redeeming this in a sense. They're setting it apart to be used by God. Well, Jesus was the ultimate pure one, the only pure one in that sense. But he became unclean or impure that you and I who are not clean might be cleansed by his blood, set apart to be pure and now used by God for his glory. Nehemiah is actually another example of this. The the great leader that left the the thrones and came into this broken city and now is building up a people and he actually leaves the people and leaves others in charge to finish the work that they started until they brought it to completion. Jesus is the greater Nehemiah because he also began this great work of redemption. And then Jesus left, but as he left and when he departed, he also left people in charge or a person in charge, the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God now dwells inside of us to continue this process that Christ has started until it is brought to full completion. And so just as they were preparing a city, so Jesus is also preparing a city that we might one day worship him forever, a greater kingdom, y'all. This story is pointing us forward to a greater story that we are all a part of. And so if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you, and you have been left in the city to continue the work. You've been left here to keep moving and advancing God's glory. And so let's keep renewing ourselves. Let's keep dedicating ourselves to this gospel work in our local church, in our individual lives, gaining a vision from God that we may glorify him in the process. Amen. 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 Hey, let let me end with this thought. Okay. Uh, Nehemiah, he actually came from the most opulent city on earth right? The, the king uh, of, of Persia, King Darius, he was this massive, massive ruler that Nehemiah is leading with and, and under in a lot of ways. And a couple of years ago, uh, my wife, after about five years of convincing me to try to take a really nice trip, uh, actually convinced me to go to Paris. And I was like, we spent all this money, da, da, da. And then God blessed her and we got like $312 round trip tickets. It was wow. absurd, okay? So God honored her faithfulness, not mine, all right? So we get to go to Paris, and uh, we went to the Louvre. And in the Louvre, there's actually uh, the pillars that King Darius had set up in his uh, tower. And there were hundreds of these things. 
And these things were massive, y'all, right? Like, and I remember looking like, my gosh, what was this holding up, right? And there were all these pillars and this massive uh, uh, standing. It was just, it was opulent. It was beautiful in a lot of ways. Nehemiah was the cupbearer in that. Let's not forget that. That's where he lived for his whole life in this magnificence and this glory and this heaven on earth is what it would have felt like in a lot of ways. And now all of a sudden, Nehemiah came to this little dinky town with petty enemies and poverty and no-name leaders and laid down his life and sacrificed that he might build up the kingdom of God. And 2,500 years later, few people remember Darius or Persia and virtually no one worships them, but two billion people currently worship Christ Jesus who Nehemiah foreshadowed. And so just because the church looks like a city without walls sometimes, just because we're not filled with prosperity or popularity or pomp and status in a lot of ways, just because we're on the outskirts looking insignificant, do not get it twisted, y'all. God does his best work with that which seems most obsolete because he is trying to showcase his glory. That's why I say, I believe in this little church. I believe in the churches across the world that are filled with the spirit of God, that they can actually push back darkness for his glory, y'all. Our God's hand is not short so that he cannot reach out and save. It is not weak that he cannot overcome. And so even in your life, though it may feel like it's just briefly recorded, like some of these names here that you skipped over when we were going through this section, right? Your Your little effort can actually alter eternity, y'all. The generations to come. You may be worshiping because one of these leaders sacrificed and went back to Israel to rebuild, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And other people might be worshiping because of your sacrifice today, your obedience to God, your calling and following the vision that he has given you for the glory of his name. It matters, family. It matters, it matters, it matters. Just because a fox can knock it down, Do not let the world deceive you because the lion of Judah is inside of you and he will move through you, y'all. He will move through you. Be faithful forever. Amen. 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 Last guy to gather. I love you guys. Let's pray. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lion of Judah, you are strong. You use the weak. Uh, In fact, you became weak that we might be strong in you. And so God, I pray. I pray for those who do not know you, that they would actually become a part of the family of God, that they would realize that, man, their life can have meaning. Friend, if you do not know Jesus right now, you can have a relationship with the God of the universe. All this work, all this effort wasn't just to rebuild this wall here. It was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And all of his work and all of his effort may have been to begin to build you. He wants relationship with the people that he died for. You can have intimacy with God. You can come into his family today. So friend, I want to tell you, if you do not know Jesus, you can know him today. He made a way that you might come into relationship with God. If you but accept him, embrace him, say, I want to follow you, I want to know you. If you give your life to him, if you feel the spirit of God prompting your soul to come into the family of God, come join us. 
Come in, let's build this city together as he builds your life and redeems it and makes all the broken rubble back into a beautiful home. He wants to do that. And God, as you have done that in our lives, I pray that we would remember that, that we would hear you more, that we would celebrate your goodness, that we would walk in your faithfulness, God. I pray that we would be a people of joy. I pray that we would uh, be excited about the work that you are doing. I pray that we would receive vision from you, God. Let us receive this vision, King Jesus. I pray that you would please allow us to have joy, to see vision, to celebrate your goodness, to believe that you want to use us, to look for your sustaining power and your healing power in our life, to see your hand in our lives, to renew our hearts before you, to renew our vision that you have given us, even the vision of you, and to dedicate our lives to you. Would you give renewal and dedication to do a good, good work, to worship you, our good, good King, and would we love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, all of our strength. Thank you, Jesus, that you have redeemed us. Thank you. Gosh, thank you for sustaining us, God. We love you, Jesus. I pray as we close in the worship of you, we would remember the promises you have given us and that we would, we would really worship. That even in the singing of songs here, you would actually give our people vision for what you want to do in their lives. We love you, Christ. We praise in your very, very precious, your beautiful, your broken, but your restored name. Amen.